I trust you found that song to be encouraging. Ties in with what we'll discuss this week as well as next week. And I think it ties in with life overall. Trials seem to be part of life. And we can come to God in the midst of them. Let's pray together and then interact with Scripture. Father, we praise you for your goodness, your faithfulness, your unchangeableness. That you've begun a work in us and you continue that. As we look at a portion of Romans 8 this morning, we want to be doers of your word and blessed as we obey. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you reflect upon the life of Saul, I'm sorry, David, I was thinking him running from Saul. If you reflect upon the life of David, David we know was one who cared for sheep when he was younger, would have spent a lot of time alone caring for sheep. He was anointed king, and then for years he fled from Saul. Very, very difficult times. Then we know he became king, and he ruled in Israel for a good number of years. And during that kingship, we know that he got in trouble with Bathsheba, had Bathsheba's husband murdered or killed in battle, committed adultery with her, had a child by her, and then had all kinds of difficulties in his family as a result of that sin. But yet, God worked all of that for good, for profit. I didn't say it was all good, but he worked it for good, for profit in David's life. Some of the Psalms that David wrote came out of that experience, his experiences that he had along the way, the tough times of life. I want you to think about some hard times we as a church have faced in the past and may be facing in the present. I also want you to think about some hard times you may have been through as a family, as a couple, maybe as an individual, that you have been through or may be going through at the present time. And as we look at Scripture this morning, think about those items and make applications to the life of our church, to your life. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we'll be reading verses 28 through the end of the chapter. Verse 28 is a verse that is often quoted, but yet it appears in a context. Romans 8, beginning with verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified... He also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? 
Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecutions or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We finished discussing Habakkuk last week, and Habakkuk emphasized and concluded with living by faith. And he was going through some difficulties, but he lived by faith. Romans 8, 28 through 39 is learning to live by faith in a practical, sin-cursed, problem-filled world. The book of Romans is written to the saints in Rome. Romans 1 and verse 7 says, to all in Rome who are loved by God, called to be saints. According to chapter 8, verses 1 through 7, or 1 through 17, it becomes clear that he's writing to people who are saints, who are walking in the spirit, who have a relationship with God being sensitive to him day by day. He is also writing to saints who are facing difficulty because in chapter 5, 3, and 4, he says, we don't only rejoice in the coming glory, but we also rejoice in our trials. And in chapter 8 and verse 18, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. As we think about Romans eight twenty eight through 39, it would encourage you also to see it addressed first and foremost as to a group of people, a body, a local body of believers. Don't see it first of all addressed to an individual, but to a local body of believers. And then make applications to an individual. I emphasize that because we in America so many times read Scripture and say, how does it apply to me? And we stop there. Let's begin with, how does it apply to the body of Christ? And then, how does it apply to me as a member of the body of Christ? Paul has discussed sin in the beginning of Romans. He discussed salvation, the righteousness available to God through Christ. He talked about being in Christ He talks about the sovereignty of God in chapters 9 through 11 and then living out one's relationship in daily life. In the more immediate context, Paul is speaking to believers who had died with Christ and had been raised with him. He's speaking to believers, as Paul shared from his own life, who struggle with sin. Paul says, what I don't want to do, I do, and what I want to do, I don't do. 
He talks about life in the spirit in the immediate context also. And then he discusses future glory in verses 18 through 27 of Romans 8. In the passage we're looking at, I would call verses 28 through 30 the foundation. And verses 31 through 39, the building or living. Verses 31 through 39, springing from what Paul talks about in verses 28 through 30. And if you note in verses 28 through 39, that God is mentioned in verse 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 37, 38, and 39. God is written all over the passage. Christ is mentioned in verses 29, 32, 34, 35, 38, and 39. Christ written all over the passage. The Holy Spirit is mentioned often in verses 1 through 27, laying the foundation. So we see the Father, God, Christ, the Holy Spirit are all involved in this passage. And in verse 28, he says, and we know, again, believers in Christ, saints, we know that in all things. What are the all things that Paul is talking about? Everywhere, in every respect. Paul is talking about all of life. The trials the Romans were going through, the persecution that they were experienced, the difficulties they have had in family life, in marriage, the job, if you please. It may have been persecution. Paul would be including that. Treatment from others. We don't always get treated well from others. Failures, our failures, their failures, their sins. Now we go through life. We blow it at times. We sin at times. And then evil from others. For we know, or and we know that in all things, nothing is excluded. We know that in all things, this text says, God works. God working means that he conspires to actively to bring about a certain result. He's working what is allowed into our life for our good. How many of you like to use table salt in your food? Probably most of us. No, we like to add a little taste. And salt is good. But have you considered that salt is composed of two items that are both poisonous? But yet combined, they're good. So Paul is saying, as he writes to the Romans, things come into life. They're not good. They're difficult. It may be evil, it may be persecution, 
You take that item, God takes steps into the picture, and together, he says, they're for good. It's important that we define the word good. The word good in Greek basically means profitable, generous, beneficial, upright, virtuous. Now, he doesn't say all the circumstances are good. He says, for we are, and we know that in all things God works for the good. And as you look at the context of the passage and the context of the book, the good involves a godly inside, not easy outward circumstances. Working backwards in verses 26 and 27, he says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So the Romans had weaknesses. What happens? The Spirit intercedes. In verse 18 of chapter 8, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. In chapter 6, 1 through 14, he talks about the fact that we have died with Christ. We've been raised with Christ. And then he says, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God. In chapter 3, he talks about a righteousness that we can have before God. The good that is in Romans is dealing with an inner righteousness, an inner character, an inner building of holiness in life, not primarily the circumstances. So we think of good, oh, I got an easy life. The burden I was carrying is all gone. The Romans continued to carry some of those burdens and difficulties. But yet, Paul says he worked it for good. It ties in with a holiness inside which comes out in words and actions. David, as he went through life, caring for sheep alone, running from Saul, committing sin with Bathsheba, and then suffering the consequences in his family, God worked them for good. David wrote the Psalms from depth of heart that came from God working for good in his life. Paul says, For we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Those who love him. There's a giving of themselves to God. There's a submissive responsiveness to God as a pattern of life, even though that may not be present every moment, every day. There's an obedience in light of Romans 8, 1 through 17. And just a concern for God's glory, not merely for oneself. 
that we have patterns of life. We're either known for loving God or not loving God. Are we perfect? Do we always do that well? Not necessarily. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called. The word called involves and means to be invited into the privileges of. To be invited into a relationship. He's writing to people who have been invited into the privileges of a relationship with God, a relationship with Christ, a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The privileges of justification, peace with God, access into God's grace, God able to take all things and work them together for good, the Spirit interceding. He's writing to those who love God, those who have been called according to his purpose. Now, what is God's purpose? Again, as you look at the book of Romans, you will find in Romans 3, 21 through chapter 4 and verse 25, one of his purposes is for sinners to be righteous. Another purpose as you look at the book of Romans is perseverance, character, hope due to security in Christ and due to rejoicing. That comes from Romans chapter 5, 1 through 11. From the book of Romans, eternal life is involved in God's purpose. What's eternal life? A relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus Christ, from what Jesus says in John chapter 17. According to his purpose, dying with Christ being raised to newness of life so that we can count ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. What is his purpose? Life in the Spirit. Romans 8, 1 through 17, but also redemption of our bodies. In Romans 8, 18 through 27. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, his purpose is not merely an easy life. His purpose is not merely to make us healthy, wealthy. His purpose involves righteousness, perseverance, character, hope. Eternal life, dying with Christ, being raised with Christ, life in the Spirit, and the redemption of our bodies. Please understand that his purpose is not primarily escape, but rather the development of us. So as we think about our local church, God is not primarily concerned that we as a local church corporately, individually have easy lives and so on, but that he works what he allows to come into our life for our good according to his purpose. And then in verses 29 and 30, 
he says, or gives a reason why this can be true. For the idea of reason. Why can God say, why can Paul say, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose? For those God foreknew. Foreknowledge is simply to know beforehand, to be acquainted with beforehand, to be appointed as subjects of future privileges. For those God foreknew. Ephesians 1 speaks of the fact that before the creation of the world, God knew us. For those God foreknew, he predestined. Sometimes there's a lot of discussion on predestined. What does it mean? You know, does God predestine us? What clearly says those he foreknew, he predestined. It means to limit or mark out beforehand, to ordain beforehand. For those God foreknew... He predestined to what? To be conformed to the likeness of his son. The likeness of his son would involve a physical image. Ties in with a resurrected body. As you look at verses 18 through 27. And contrast that with 1 John chapter 3, 1 through 3. And there John says those who have this hope in them. Purify themselves even as he is pure. So God, for those God foreknew, he predestined, predetermined, that we're to be conformed to the likeness of his son. For what purpose? That he might be the firstborn among many brothers. See, Christ is the firstborn among many brothers in the sense that he's the first to come from the dead with a resurrected body to die no more. So if he's the first to come from the dead, he's the firstborn among many brothers, what does that mean? Others are going to follow. So the believer one day in the future is going to be raised from the dead, the body's going to be raised, and have a body that's designed for an eternity. Firstborn among many brothers. He goes on in verse 30. And those he predestined... He called. Those that he ordained beforehand, he marked out beforehand, he called. He drew to himself. They came into a relationship with God, with Christ, with the Spirit. And those he called, he also justified. Mentioned in Romans 3, Romans 5, 1, verses 9 through 11. Declared righteous, having a righteous standing before God. And those he justified, he also glorified. The idea of glorification is admission to state of bliss, to beautify. And it's spoken of as already true. In God's mind, if you please... He says, I think future, you're already glorified. So certain to happen that he speaks as though it's already done. So he steps back. If you want to go backwards, glorified, justified, called, because God foreknew. 
Before the creation of the world, God foreknew. You look in the future, glorified, and between those two points in time, we live 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years in this earth. And Paul says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Why? Because those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And those he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. That's God. So he says, in all things, I can work for good. The application to that is in verses 31 through 39, and we'll look at that next week. But think about some possible applications to verses 20 through 30. Death is part of life, but in the last four or five years, we've had a large number of people from our congregation pass away. Can we as a body step back and say, and in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him or are called according to his purpose. God using death, which is an enemy, for good, for profit in life. Do we accept that? How about many physical trials? Physical trials are part of life. Some of us have been through trials in recent years. Do we see them as being worked by God for our good, for our profit as a body of believers? Over the years, some people have lost jobs. And usually, eventually, you know, get another job. But do we see that as God working for good, for profit in the body of Christ? Not that everything is good, but working for good. I think it's true in life, no matter what time period you have, that individuals tend to drift from God. God can work that for good, for profit, for us as a body, as we love him and we've been called according to his purpose. For some time we've been considering an assistant pastor and there doesn't seem to be a lot of obvious progress Can we step back and say, God will work that for good, for profit? Because he foreknew us, he predestined us, he called us, he justified us, and in his mind, we're glorified. As a body, stopping to ponder that God is at work. Now take what we've discussed this morning and think about your life, your family, and what you're going through. Plug in whatever you want. 
as far as difficulty you've been through. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Don't fight the circumstance. Don't resist the circumstance. Accept it. That God will work it for good. To those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. When we fight the circumstance, then we struggle much, much more. That's why Paul says in Romans 5, embrace your trials, rejoice in them, because I build perseverance, I build character, I give hope. That's why in verse 18 of chapter 8, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. we get through the trials of life God is at work we many times may not see it but God is at work I want you to think about an individual that all of us know how God worked for good this individual went through tremendous trials and difficulties he sacrificed much but God worked for good. That individual is Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, became a creature. He limited himself. He got tired. He had to eat. He was in the womb for nine months. He worked. He'd get weary in his work. He had relational struggles. He was opposed. He was rejected. He went to a trial and he was crucified. God worked all that for good. In the life of Christ. He arose from the dead. To be the savior of the world. Please. Whether it be myself or you, or we as a body, know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. Trials hurt. Difficulty brings pain. But in the midst of it, God is working. That's why the songwriters we sang earlier, when trials come, no longer fear, for in the pain our God draws near. 
to fire a faith worth more than gold. And there his faithfulness is told. And there his faithfulness is told. Within the night I knew your peace. The breath of God brings strength to me. And knew each morning mercies flow as treasures of the darkness grow. As treasures of the darkness grow. Do we see the treasures in the darkness? The darkness of trials, the darkness of difficulty. That God is at work for our good according to his purpose. I turn to wisdom, not my own. For every battle you have known, my confidence will rest in you. Your love endures, your ways are good. Your love endures, your ways are good. When I am weary with the cost, I see the triumph of the cross. So in the shadow I shall run till he completes the work begun. Till he completes the work begun. One day all things will be made new. The glorification. I'll see the hope you've called me to. And in your kingdom paved with gold, I'll praise your faithfulness of old. I'll praise your faithfulness of old. Think biblically in the trials of life. Let's pray together. Father, life on this earth is composed with difficulty. We won't escape it until we go to be with you. But in the midst of it, we know you remain faithful. You remain unchanging. You remain a constant. You're at work in the difficulties of life. At work for good in those who love you, who have been called according to your purpose. And I know, Father, within our body, there's those who face physical trials. I've been through some, or some trials are coming, some surgery in the future. There's those who are facing financial difficulty, loss of a job, or just money being tight, relational difficulties, whether it be within the family or with a neighbor or on the job. facing other types of difficulty. In the midst of them, Father, may we encourage one another and spur one another on that even though trials hurt, that you're at work for our good, for our profit, whether it be individually as a family or for us as a body. May we think and respond 
in light of Scripture, as we'll apply more fully next week. And we have wisdom from you, encouragement from you, but also encouragement from one another in the trials of life. We love you. We want to be faithful to you for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. You're dismissed.